Welcome everyone to our very first live stream. Uh, I am Abhishek. Uh, today we are going to talk about uh, or uh, would like to understand more about the uh, Canadian job market. Uh, I have here with us our speaker, Eldin Simon Storb, and uh, our fellow group member, Abhinaya. Uh, welcome both of you. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Uh, hi, everyone. First of all, thanks for joining. And thanks to Eldin for agreeing to come to this session. Uh, I'm Abhinaya. I immigrated to Canada by the end of 2018. Uh, I have a master's in uh, electronics, and I was working in electronics back in India. Uh, and I wanted to switch my career to uh, which something uh, that helps people. So I decided to study immigration in Canada. So I'm in the process of obtaining my license. This is a short intro about myself. So Aldine, can you please introduce uh, yourself to the people? Sure. Well, thanks for having me, Abhishek and Abhinaya. Um, I'm also an immigrant to Canada, having migrated here almost 10 years now ago. Um, and my background is in HR. So I have led HR departments, I've led recruitment teams, and now I support businesses as a business coach, um, helping them with areas of HR operations and strategy. So I've had uh, international HR experience, so I have participated in multinational companies as well as um, 40 companies right here in Canada. So I'm looking forward to uh, answering some questions today um, on this first session, um, diving into uh, a little bit more about uh, helping you learn a little bit more about the Canadian job market. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, it's great to have you here. Uh, you. So we have curated some questions and let's get started with our first question. Sure. So it is from Bhupalan. Uh, so the question is, what is the impact on IT jobs with major banks in India or in Canada after the COVID-19 outbreak? So I, a lot of the impact right now, we can't fully assess. Um, on the IT side, I'm sure uh, being in India or having exposure to um, companies in India, a lot of offshoring is happening. I was a part of a multinational that moved almost their entire IT department to India um, in the last year. So I would say in terms of the job market here, if you're looking at higher end skills, so you're looking more analytics, more managerial type functions, they would probably continue to remain here in Canada. However, uh, I've, I'm seeing a trend now both with SMBs, so small, medium sized businesses, right to enterprise level like banks. They are looking at, you know, outsourcing and offshoring a lot of their basic IT functionality. So if you're coming to Canada with what I would call like anything lower than an analyst level, um, you're probably going to be competing a lot for jobs for one. Um, and two, likely your job is going back to India. So um, that's something to be aware of. Um, however, you know, there's still opportunities. So if you are coming into that space, definitely prepare, step your game up so that you're able to position yourself into that analyst senior level. Okay, thank you for that information. So it is, uh, it is going to be a rough uh, path, I believe. <laughs> Definitely interesting, mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah, sure. So, and the next question is from uh, Abira, and it is about uh, for which specialization of MBA is the job market good? So the difficulty with MBAs when you're a new immigrant is that your MBA says to the employer that you're not entry level. 
right? Now that's a good and a bad thing. If you're looking for, like you mentioned, Abna, you switched careers when you came here. A lot of people find it um, easier to kind of slip into something else when they come here because getting back into the level that they were before is harder, right? Um, helping people with their resumes and career um, strategy, job search strategies and career strategies, the MBA doesn't necessarily make it easier when you're coming in at entry level. So I would say uh, to that person, if you're thinking of coming in entry level, then definitely look at how you're going to position yourself with an MBA. And if you're looking for something a little bit higher, look at how you are going to compete with other people in the Canadian market that already have the experience um, as well as the MBA. Great. So we have to start from the from somewhere down and then... Uh... Um, not always, but more often than not, you may have to take a yes. step down um, or even a lateral step before you get into the role that you want to. Okay, thank you. Uh, and the next question is from Mohammed Abdul, and it is, uh, how willing are employers to employ someone outside Canada? So can you provide some tips for someone who wants to apply for work permit from outside of Canada? So I will leave the tips on the work permit to you guys, the immigration sure, <laughs> experts sure. there. Um, I have participated with employers who have done uh, nominations and um, LMIA processes for people. So, but I will, I will let you guys take that part of the question. Um, the willingness with the employer, it really depends on your skill set. Uh, to be honest, um, and I'm sure uh, Abhishek and Abhinaya will agree with me, like immigration for Canada has boomed in the last 10 years like it has yes. been astronomically growing so whereas before like 10 years you know 15 years ago when people were literally begging people to come to Canada and work that is no longer the case right so I'm gonna say 99.9% .9 of employers are going to prefer someone who's already in Canada. So applying from outside of Canada, you are slim to none chance of getting an employer to reach out to you. Um, however, if you are in the, the, the process of you know, securing your permanent residence or in the process of securing a work permit already, where you're, you could say you're, you're almost in, um, I think at that point you are a little bit more attractive because now you're kind of seen as someone who's um, legally eligible to work in Canada or just about. Um, so it makes it a little bit uh, easier for you, but no less competitive because you're now competing against the thousands of people in Canada that are already applying for that job. Yeah, okay. So to add to your, um, your answer, I think uh, getting the, a work permit from outside Canada is... A little bit um, challenging and the most challenging part is obtaining a job offer in order to obtain the work permit so yeah so yeah I agree with that totally so the next question is from Madhura um, I'm working in order management and customer support with hands-on experience in SAP and Salesforce what is the scope and demand for these type of jobs well customer service and and what else was the other piece uh, order management and order Salesforce. Management. Okay, so, okay. Um, I would say in that space, we have a lot of demand. 
um, especially with COVID-19. A lot of the um, order fulfillment uh, companies or the giants in that space, the Amazons, uh, the e-shippers, you know, the all of these e-fulfillment platforms and warehouses that support e-commerce are booming. So they are continuing to look for talent. So I would say if you have that experience and you're able to articulate that through a resume and sell yourself, um, you know, through the recruitment process, there there is strong prospect. Obviously, more some provinces have stronger demand than others. For example, Ontario, which is a province with the most of Canada's population right now. Um, there's a lot of demand for that. Uh, if you go port side as well, so if you look at or East Coast and our West Coast for a lot of our uh, port stuff uh, comes through, uh, you may find a lot of demand there too. So I'd say there's a, a strong uh, requirement for it, but the caveat there is that you also have thousands of millions of Canadians here too that do that same role. So really coming in, there's demand, but you've got to be able to stand out. Okay, so that's good to know that there is demand, um, mm. but still the competition exists. Yes. So demand doesn't mean that you'll get a job. Demand means that yes. you are in a position to get one, but you still have to sell yourself. Sure, thank you. So uh, she has another question too. Um, yeah. How to approach the recruiters as soon as we land as a PR holder and also would, it, um, would like to check whether we can approach them before landing too. So she's going to land as a PR and she wants to know how to approach them before landing as a PR from okay. back home. Yeah. Sure, so um, recruiters, I, I always caution people with recruiters. Um, recruiters are very similar to, how do I put this? Um, they would be very similar to a sales agent selling a house, right? They are selling the house on behalf of the seller. So they want you to buy, but their interest is ensuring that the seller gets the best value. A recruiter is the same way. The recruiter is representing the company. The recruiter is trying to make sure that the company gets the best value, but they're also making sure that they get some value out of it too, right? So I would say if you're going to look at reaching out to recruiters, just be mindful that the recruiter is not necessarily there for you. They're there for the company. Um, that said, recruiters should definitely be part of your strategy, especially if you're looking for your first role. But one thing I will mention to you with recruiters in the Canadian market specifically is that most of them will probe into your background. Um, and once they discover that you don't have Canadian experience, it, it will put you at a slight disadvantage in the market, um, especially with them, uh, just because of that stigma that still exists around Canadian experience. Now we've come a long way in HR, like for example, with myself, whenever I work with a client or whenever I've had to recruit, you know, I've coach my hiring managers not to look at people's where they did the experience but to probe into what they did um where they were as opposed to where they did it but not every company is going to be like that and if you go back to the scenario that i mentioned with the recruiter acting in the best interest of the company you know a lot of times getting your first role may not necessarily come through a recruiter just because they are going to be very protective um, of the company and the company makes the rules, right? So if the company isn't open to um, having international talent, chances are the recruiter will want to help you but might not be able to. So 
I would say a good part of your strategy, but do your research. You know, look into recruiters that are openly advertising that they support um, newcomer talent. Look for those um, types of groups, and then that would be a good place to start. Okay, thank you. Thanks. Yeah, thank you, Avnia, for asking the question so far. Uh, now I'll uh, uh, ask a few questions from our sure. group members. Um, so we have a very specific question, but maybe I can generalize it and ask that in order to understand which province is uh, having a demand for a particular uh, sector, right? So in this case, the question was they would like to understand uh, which province have more jobs for mechanical engineers and especially when it comes to automobile engineering. So is there a way that someone could actually know in Canada which provinces have a lot of demand for which particular sector? Yes, I would direct you to the StatsCan. Is it StatsCan? I'll drop the link for the website. But there is a um, a website that the Canadian government usually pushes out information on um, what the different roles are and the demand for the roles by province. If it is growing, if it is, you know, retracting, um, how many people on average actively hold jobs, what the average salary is, and that will give you a really good idea. So for example, engineering is a hot topic, right? There's certain provinces based on the provincial operate that the resources or the industries that operate in that province that will be an ideal fit for engineers and others that will. So I will drop that resource for um, you guys as well in the group. Um, but you can, I would start there. Uh, and outside of that, I would go to each provincial government page and just kind of check. And a quick Google search too um, can help you with that. But um, if you start with that website, that government website, it really gives you, the, I think they update it either annually or biannually, but they update it fairly frequently. And they will show you which provinces are having a demand or a decline in demand. For different uh, jobs yeah. and for occupations. Yeah, thanks for that. That really helps. Uh, I don't think I uh, ever knew about that. Uh, really? <laughs> yeah. um, no, okay. Okay. Yeah. So next question, uh, maybe the most commonly asked question uh, about whether recruiters actually get impressed with the resume or is just you know another tool to to approach them and if there are any guidelines to uh, you know make a good resume and to impress the recruiters so my personal belief is that resumes are dead um and the reason why i say that is because you can only share so much about yourself on a resume right however we're not quite evolve to the stage where company, well, all companies or most companies are saying, don't send me a resume. Um, the truth of the matter is they will still need to see or learn a little bit more about you. So that being said, um, how you position your resume is very important. Um, I've encouraged people whenever you have international experience, don't hold back. Like your experience is experience. Um, just because you do it in India versus doing it in the US versus the UK versus Canada is irrelevant, right? As a matter of fact, you should, em you should embrace that as a strength. What you should be playing on is the value you created while you were in that role. So whenever you try to compare task for task, which is something I try, I see a lot in the resumes, especially from international um, applicants, is that they try to list out all the tasks they've done. 
Well, the problem is that a order specialist in Canada may be very different from an order specialist in Canada, in, in India, for example. And even though tasks may be similar, you know, you may be missing critical tasks that someone in Canada would need to perform. By doing a task by task layout on your resume, you're shooting yourself in the foot because now you're not actually demonstrating that you can perform the job that you're applying for. But if you focus on what value you created, if you're able to create value in your role in India, it is a good indication you'll be able to create value in your role in Canada. So while you might not have performed exactly the same task, because you are able to excel at the ones that you did, success is an indicator of future success, right? So if you're able to succeed here, it, it's likely that you can connect to succeeding here in Canada. The other thing I would um, share there as well is when you look at your international experience, embrace it and show that as a strength. Right? A lot of Canadian companies now are becoming globalized, where they're operating in multiple countries, in multiple um, cultures. Celebrating the fact that you have this international experience actually gives them a competitive advantage. But you have to position that on your resume, though, right? So put, put that in your resume. Don't worry so much about what where you had the experience, but Focus on the value and, and show that what you bring to the table, how the international experience is a competitive advantage for the company. But also do your research because some companies are definitely more open to international talent than others. And if you're looking to secure your first job, you might want to try to target the ones that are more open first and then knock on the, on the doors of the ones that are a little bit less um, open after that. Yeah. Well, that was really uh, insightful. Thank you. Um, yeah, so the next question, uh, mm -hmm. maybe it's kind of a repeated question which you already answered about how Canada uh, is going to perform in the subsequent months after COVID-19. Uh, that, right? That's the best guess for anybody. Yeah, right? yeah. I would just say if you have an industry in mind, keep track of the industry. Like nobody, I don't, I don't think anybody knows what's gonna happen six months from now, 10 months from now, the only advice um, or the, the best piece of advice I would give you is whatever industry you're in, whatever career path you're thinking about, keep tabs on the industry because that will be very telling. If you're obviously, if you're in the medical field or you know medical research field, your job is pretty secure for the foreseeable future. But if you are in supporting industries, um, you know, if you're looking at, uh, let's see, like travel and hospitality, for example, you know, you may want to keep tabs on that and probably look at, you know, how you can pivot, um, you know, if things don't pan out the way you would anticipate it. So I would just say whatever industry you're in, stay focused on what's happening in the industry and go from there. Thank you. Um, yeah. So, again, uh, another question, which could be a very common question. Uh, where should someone start? Uh, looking for jobs, which websites are pretty popular in Canada to, to find the jobs? Okay, so I would say it depends on the type of job that you're going after. Um, a lot of people know about Indeed, and I call Indeed the black hole, no pun intended, but it, it really is where resumes go to die. Like, it really is. Um, because so many people apply to Indeed um, you know, but, but you know what, to be fair, um, it is a place to start. 
right? Like it, it is somewhere that you can start. Uh, the other place uh, I would suggest if you're more professional level, so, um, you know, manager, analyst, um, engineers, uh, consultants, HR, even tech space, LinkedIn is probably your best resource um, because with LinkedIn, you can not only apply for jobs, but you can see the poster who's posting it. You can see the company, you can read reviews, you can you know, connect with people that are in the company and find out like there's so much more you can do with LinkedIn as a strategy. Um, but I would say if you, if you want to start, start with Indeed, you know, take it for what it is. Um, you know, that can kind of help you understand the companies that are in the market for the type of role that you are looking for. Um, and then if, if you want to take your, your level up a notch, I would say use LinkedIn. Sure. Thank you. Um, yeah. So the next question is, uh, again, industry specific, but I think you okay. answered with the fact that you're going to share uh, stats Canada link where they can yeah. get an idea of which industry, uh, uh, has more demand in which particular province. So I'll skip to the next question. Um, so about the co-op programs in the study. Uh, so are, there are these masters or diploma in which you can get uh, co-op programs as part of the study as well. Right? right. So one of the member wanted to know whether those actually help when they are actually, uh, you know, going for uh, the full-time job. Uh, would they add any advantage? And if so, how they can project their experience on that? So my my experience, so when I just moved to Canada as a student, I enrolled for a co-op program. And having had that experience myself where we saw all the Canadians in our class secure co-ops within a month. And like within a month of starting co-op term. And most, if not all of us international students found it extremely difficult to one, get interviews and two, even get a co-op placement. And so a lot of us opted, they gave you a window within which you could cancel your co-op. And I wanna say in my batch about 90% of us canceled our co-op option. Um, so we could graduate early because no one wanted to hire us as a co-op, right? Now that was about 10 years ago. Um, things have improved since then. However, when you look at a co-op program, I would say you need to do two things as an applicant. One, you need to look at the school and look at the percentage, not of co-op placements, but of international student co-op placements. If you see the school saying we support international students, um, if you see testimonials from international students saying that they have gotten co-op placements, I would reach out to the school and ask them directly have they placed international students in co-op opportunities? Um, how many co-op students do they take from inter... Like, you've got to find out if you are going to be able to get a co-op. If the school is supporting you and you're in an area that has companies that are very open to taking co-op students, which you'll kind of learn from talking to the school, then I would say the co-op is a great program because you get that Canadian experience that they talk about that you can now put on your resume to say, here are three months of my term that I've actually spent. And quite a few companies retain co-op students too, um, because coming in, you have an opportunity to make friends, you know, build good connections and do good work. And if you do good work, I've seen companies create roles. Um, I even, there was one co-op student I had, I created a role for her. She was so amazing. I couldn't, I couldn't, I could not have her. So, you know, we created a role for her um, so that she could stay on um, until she decided to go back to school. 
right? So I would say it's a good opportunity if you do your research and your school and the program supports you. However, it's bad if the place that you're studying in and the school that you're selecting is not endorsing um, co-op students from international with international backgrounds. So do your research, find out if your program is pro-international students, find out how many international students have been placed. And if you find that they are doing a good job of making sure that not just Canadian students are being placed, then I would say it's a, it's a good opportunity to get some, some exposure to the Canadian space for sure. That is very, very insightful. Thank you so much. Now I'll hand it over to Agnia to ask further questions. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Alvin, for this uh, information. And uh, you mentioned about the Canadian experience and how mm -hmm. important it is, uh, even to start with co-op. So mm -hmm. this brings me to the next question So uh, from another group member. So he says, a lot of rejection of job application I hear from my friends and family are based on not having Canadian experience. How can someone who just landed in Canada have a Canadian experience? And mark, uh, is there any other way by which they can market themselves? Okay, so there are a few things um, that you could do. Um, I mean, the Canadian experience, you know, that Canadian experience they talk about, um, it, it is true and not true. Uh, it's true in the sense that the example I gave before where the order specialist in India is, is going to perform different tasks from the order specialist in Canada is a very simplistic way to say Canadians do things differently. Right. Yeah. So there are some areas, for example, in law, in accounting, in HR, as an example, where Canadian experience is important because you need to know the laws that govern your air, your field. You need to be familiar with the restrictions. You need to have certain um, experiences that are Canadian for you to be able to support a company effectively. Right. So there are some roles and occupations that you do require that Canadian experience and where you could say that that experience is almost a bona fide occupational requirement. Right. However, there are some roles that don't require Canadian experience, which means you can perform the job if you are taught how to do it. A good example would be customer service, an order specialist, a marketing consultant, you know, a graphic designer. There's nothing Canadian necessarily that you need to know to perform that task. An administrator, right? An analyst, for example, are good ones. So whenever you put your foot forward, I would say look at what the job is. If it is a regulated field or a field that requires you to have specific Canadian experience and knowledge, like the ones I mentioned before, then yes, you're going to find it very difficult. If you're a lawyer moving from India, you're going to find it difficult. If you're a doctor, if you are an HR professional, if you're an accountant, you're going to find it harder because you need to learn the Canadian system of doing to perform those functions, right? However, if you're a customer service, if you are an engineer, well, engineering too will fall into the first category because we do build things differently than you do in India as well. So if you are in customer service, administration, you know, anal um, analytics, if you are in um, any kind of helping profession uh, that's not regulated, um, I would encourage you to advocate that I have the experience. And going back to that um, question I answered before, on your resume, show value. Don't try to compete tit for tat with the tasks of the job, but show the value that you actually bring to the role. Um, and don't only just use a resume, right? 
if you're just using your resume as part of your job search strategy, um, that is a bad idea. Uh, and that is not a strategy. Um, you know, don't just use your resume to use other opportunities to get you into um, those jobs as well. Okay, thank you so much. And uh, what I learned is it depends again on the field of job that or the field they are into. Right? Yeah. So it, when it involves people and different difference in uh, the, the ways that they are doing it here, then mm -hmm. it, it, it makes it difficult for someone from a foreign country to get a job here. 100%. When it's technical and other stuff that can be taught, then yes. Yeah. yeah. If it's something you can learn, argue that you have the, the capability to learn. Okay, thank you. And again, this is related to this. So since new uh, immigrants are not able to find job uh, as soon as they land or soon as, uh, in, a, in a shorter period, they try mm -hmm. to switch careers. And that, that's the main uh, reason for that. They not, they're not able to secure a job in their field, so they want to get started somewhere, so they try to switch careers. So what is your view on that? And as a start, to start, from, to start working in it, uh, they won't they won't be able to go back to their actual career. So is that a problem and how to tackle it? Okay, so um, a lot of people that migrate here, and I'm sure you guys can share your experiences with that too, um, you may not fall into the, the, the job that you had back home, right? If you were a manager or a director or you had a senior position in your company where you're traveling from, uh, chances are when you come to Canada, you may have to start at an entry-level role or a lower level than you had migrated in the first place. Um, to me, as a, as a coach, um, and even when I work with companies, what I tell applicants is that, listen, you have to make that choice. If you want to stay in the area that you are at the level that you are, you can decide to do that. But the fact is, like you mentioned, it may take longer. So you have to make that decision as an applicant. Am I going to stick with this? And I'm going to take six months, a year, two years to find the role that I want? Or am I willing to get a, my foot in the door, which is a, how a lot of people put it, right? So I will take a, a lower job um, at a little less pay just so that I can prove that I'm good enough to get to this level, right? Or I prove that I'm capable to get to this next level. Um, other people, for example, in those regulated professions, like it, this happens a lot with doctors and engineers, um, regulated professions, they may choose to start somewhere else. I know a doctor that is internationally um, certified, but when he came to Canada, it takes a couple of years for him to get his um, credentials um, to practice here in Canada. So he decided to manage a car wash in the meantime. Right. So he took a manager job at a car wash while he took night school um, to complete his certifications and his exams so that he could practice here in Canada. Right now, you can imagine a doctor making you know six figures or whatever back in his home country coming and then running a car wash. Right. Yeah. And I, I remember going when I was going to school, I had a friend of mine, his father was a nuclear physicist back in his country and he was a truck driver. Right. He decided, you know what, I'm, I'm not even going to bother to try to get into the nuclear field here or any kind of, um, you know, scientific area. I'm just going to drive a truck. Right. And that is how he supported his family. So it really depends on, as a candidate, how you view your change or your decision. 
right? So if you are comfortable getting your foot in the door or you're comfortable starting, you know, as a call center agent or you're comfortable working at Walmart or you're comfortable working at Timmy's, getting some experience until you get where you want to go, that's totally fine. But that's your decision. If you decide that you're going to stick it out until you find the job you want, that's also your decision. So I think um, I would sum that up to say it really depends on how comfortable you feel um, and how confident you feel that you're able to, you know, have an effective job search strategy that will help you to get into the job that you want. Okay, so um, mostly to meet out the expenses, they have to start somewhere, so they usually oh, prefer... Yeah, some people come here with lots of money and they can sit for six months, right? Or they'll have a exactly. spouse back home who's, you know, sending money back and forth to help them out. So it, it really on depends the financial on financial situation exactly. as well. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I agree with that. And also to share my experience on this regard. Fortunately, I haven't been uh, tested in the Canadian market so far because before Canada, I was there uh, for five years in Germany. So, mm -hmm. so I studied there and I uh, was working there for like five years and I was able to bring the same job here and continue as a self-employed uh, uh, contractor. But nice. I totally agree for the fact that I don't think it totally exactly depends on Canada in this regard. It, it yeah. would be any country where you're, you're, you're moving and then you anyways have to try understand and get into their culture and they're, uh, you know, integrated into culture, which anyways is going to take some time. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I imagine like if a Canadian moved to India, it'd be the same thing. Like for one, we wouldn't speak the language. So like I would imagine like for the first year, we're just like trying to figure out how to communicate. Right. But when we went to an interview, people would be like, well, we don't know what you did in Canada. So, you know, we do it differently here. So if you think about having a Canadian uh, moving to India and how challenging that would be for them, it's the same experience you're going to have. So, you know, think about how you want to approach that. Uh, are you comfortable just kind of getting your foot in the door or are you going to stick it out and say, this is what I want to do? And like you mentioned, Abhishek, there, there are companies in India that may allow you to transfer to Canada. So if you work for a multinational or maybe part of your strategy could be to go work for a multinational in India and then look for a transfer out um, yeah. to Canada too, right? I think, I think I think in a way it happened, uh, uh, irrespective of me whether planning it or not, where I currently work uh, for online shopping where I manage outsourcing operations in India. So mm -hmm. I report to people in Europe where I manage the outsourcing operations in India. Like you mentioned, yeah. because of the COVID, one yeah. industry which has improved a lot and uh, in fact the the jobs have increased in the, mm -hmm. in the, in the uh, supplier which I work with in India is mm -hmm. the outsourcing part where obviously yeah. because of uh, the, the, the impact on yes the impact on a particular sector they want to cut the cost and where to start right to cut the cost rather mm -hmm. to outsource so yes totally agree yeah awesome okay thank you for both of you for sharing your views it was really informative um, and uh, can you please um, like walk us through the commonly practiced hiring process in Canada? What sure. kind of steps they take? Sure. So the, I'm going to say a traditional um, hiring process would start with a, re, a resume screen. So this is where I say, personally, I think the resume is dead. 
but there are a lot of other companies that have not quite bought into that just yet. So you will start with that resume. You may have what you call an applicant tracking system, which is an electronic um, tool that will review your resume, or you may have a person viewing your resume. So just be mindful of that. Um, there's different strategies of getting through like an ATS um, versus getting it right into a human's hands. But typically there's a screening process, whether electronic or in, uh, by a human. Um, after that, most processes follow a um, phone interview. So once they've determined that your resume is a good fit, um, they will likely reach out for a phone interview. Now, this is where a lot of people fall down because if you're out of the country, your number is international. So yes. that can shoot you in the foot right away. So mm -hmm. I would encourage you, if you are applying from outside of the country, you need to figure out how you're going to get a local number. Because once your resume is screened, if your low, if your number is coming up as international, they may abort that mission right away. Right. Um, so free tidbit. Um, the next step after the phone interview uh, would really be to shortlist people on that phone interview that they want to meet in person. Uh, in this COVID times, it would be meet via webcam. Right. So they would do a, a video call. Depending on the area, you may find that they would do some testing as well. So things like uh, skills testing, uh, Excel, Word. Um, if you're using a particular software, they may provide um, a little test for that. Uh, something that's becoming very common now is language proficiency tests. So they're doing things like English and French tests to make sure that the level of communication in those languages are at the required level. Um, once you've, pro you've passed the testing phase and the first interview, so important to note, the testing may come before the first interview or it may happen after the first interview. So just be aware that quite a few companies are implementing testing. So get prepared, make sure your internet connection is stable because uh, most of these tests are online, if not all of them. So it, either before or after that first interview phase, um, most companies will go through as much as three rounds um, on average. So you have your first interview where they meet the first round of candidates and there's some testing in there. Then there's a second interview. Most times your first interview is with HR or the recruiter or potentially the hiring manager. Your second interview typically is with the hiring manager again with someone more senior um, on the team. So think about uh, if you're uh, you know, interviewing with a manager, they may bring the director in or the CFO in or the, a C-level executive in at the second level. Um, at the final level, most of what I've seen and what I've designed is that you'd be meeting your peers. So a lot of companies believe that there needs to be not company fit, but company add which means they don't want somebody that necessarily looks and sounds like the rest of the team, but they want someone who's complementary to the team. So your first interview is really evaluating your skills. Your second interview is making sure that they drill down and are confident that you are competent to do what you want to do. And that final interview is really assessing your company, um, what kind of complementary skills you're adding to the team. And typically, uh, you would receive a, an offer if you're successful between interviews two and three. Um, however, I've seen people go in and interview one and they do one, two, three in the same interview and they make an offer at the end of the conversation. So typical process is phone interview and up to three interviews. But, you know, that is typical. That doesn't mean that after interview one, you can't blow them away. 
Okay, thank you. So, uh, and also you mentioned about the applicant tracking system. Uh, so, is there a way to beat the ATS? Um, like Lots of ways. Lots of ways to do that. Um, I'm sharing a workshop link with you guys as well. We will be going through strategies to beat the ATS in there. Um, there's so many different ways to beat the ATS. Honestly, like we would probably spend the entire hour um, talking about just ways that you could do that. But um, definitely there are ways that you can do it. You can beat it or bypass it. So um, feel free to join us for that workshop and we'll, we'll share a little bit more about that as well. Okay, thanks. Um, and also, this brings me to the next question. Um, mm -hmm. So, if uh, if a person is accepting a job offer, what are the certain what are certain things that they have to uh, look into it if if they are ac before they accept, like the salary and what else? What else should they? So, the first thing I would say is, if you're getting a job offer, um, be careful when you receive it. So if you put in a resume um, and you receive a job offer as a response, that's a red flag. Um, and I know a lot of people uh, that apply from outside of Canada don't think that Canadian companies will be a spam or a scam, right? right. Be very mindful that not everything you see um, online is true. Okay, and that's where going back to doing your research is important. And I want to point that out because a lot of people get scammed into sharing their personal information um, because they didn't do their due diligence. They were so excited to get a job offer. They didn't stop to think I only sent a resume or I only did one interview. I didn't even see the person on the interview. I only spoke to them on the phone and they're sending me a job offer. So just be careful that when you're when you do receive an offer that it is from a company that truly exists if you're looking for companies that are registered um, there is a website that you can check you can look and i'll drop that too for you just remind me abhishek um i believe it's uh corporations of canada but i'll find the website you can go on there you can look up the name of the company and you can see if they're a registered company in canada if they are not a registered company in Canada and you can't find any information about them, their website looks shady, um, you know, you can't even find a profile for them on LinkedIn, chances are you're not getting a legitimate offer. So that's the first thing I want to say, especially to people who are applying from outside of Canada. Because even people within Canada get scammed. I've, I've had a friend who got an offer um, from a company that she thought was legitimate. She did an interview. She did the phone interview. She did a test. And they sent her an offer the next day and they asked her to send pictures of her passport and driver's license. And that was what kind of alerted her to why would they need that type of information with the offer. Right. So just be mindful that not every um, offer you get back may be legitimate. So just be careful. But when you do get an offer, um, I would say one, the salary, you want to make sure that the salary is a living wage. And I, I say that because some companies may try to take advantage of you as an international applicant. They may think that you're not familiar with the job market. So that's where your research is important because if the going rate for your job is 70,000 a year, I mean, in rupees, I don't know what that converts to, but that might seem like a lot of money for you. But if the average salary in that group is 100,000 and you accept 70, you're leaving money on the table. 
right? So leave your, um, don't forget to do your research on what you're worth in the Canadian market. However, that being said, that doesn't mean you can't take a slight pay cut um, if you get a good offer. Right. So if you think the company is great, the job sounds amazing, you love the boss that you're going to work for, don't, you know, don't walk away from a job offer if it's if it's too like if it's not exactly, you know, on market. But that's your decision, though. Right. And when you get an offer, you can negotiate the offer. So definitely look at the salary, um, do your research. Um, make sure that you are able to live off it. And what that means is that when you look at the city you want to live in Canada, make sure you can afford rent and food with yeah. that offer. <laughs> right? Because you do pay taxes off that money. And if you're what you're being offered, you can't pay rent and you can't buy food and you can't get to work. Well, my friend, you're not really getting an offer. Right. <laughs> Um, so make sure you do your research on the salary. The next thing is that you want to make sure that you get a job description. Um, be careful of offers that don't have a job description or tell you what you're going to be doing in the job. Um, make sure that, you know, if you're being promised a manager job or a senior level job or entry, like whatever level it is, you ask for a job description so that you can review what it is that you're being expected to do. Uh, the next piece is look at what they offer as perks. Um, you know, don't be afraid to ask for things like benefits. What does the benefit plan include? Um, cause you're at the offer stage, right? Like you have the power. They've just said, I like you. I want to hire you, but also don't abuse the power. So ask for information probe, but don't, you know, be overly, um, I, I can't think of the word that I'm looking for, but anyways, um, you know, don't, don't be too demanding. Um, be definitely look at being reasonable and realistic. So looking at the salary. Uh, so once you've made sure it's legitimate, you know, you look at the salary, uh, make sure the job description, or you have an idea of what the requirements of the job that you are performing. Um, also take a look at the benefits that come with it. Uh, if you're new to Canada, uh, landing as a permanent resident, you resident, you would be eligible for provincial health healthcare, which is quote unquote free. Um, but if your, your company offers additional benefits, that's great too, right? Like you'd like to have that. And then just look at the perks. Like, do they offer gym memberships? Do they offer, some of them will offer assistance with housing. Some of them will, you know, offer, um, you know, additional, uh, spending accounts like they'll pay for your memberships they'll pay for studies they'll look at other things that are important to you um you know that you would like to have as a professional because the, the one thing i will say here is that once you get your offer whatever you negotiate is what you negotiate is what you'll get like that's it right typically companies don't give a raise in the first year so whatever you get on that offer is where you're going to be for likely another two to three years. So make sure that you're comfortable um, when you take that offer, uh, because going to your boss in six months and asking for a raise probably won't be successful. Won't work. Yes. So. yes. Yeah. That is very informative because uh, there are so many scammer, scamming job offers out there, and it is important to be mindful of that. And um, Abhishek, if you have any questions, um, you can ask. Yeah, sure. I think we are approaching the last 10 minutes of the session. So I have two more questions, Aldine. Uh, maybe I can start with asking uh, what have you talked so far, but add uh, if you can add a little bit about the contracting positions, because 
I've been observing lately with my friends and uh, everyone that I work closely with when they move to Canada, instead of offering them a full-time job, uh, a lot of companies are offering contracting positions, right? So what is that the, uh, the applicants who are going to accept the contracting positions can be aware of? Okay. So contracts can be a good way. Um, when done properly to get that Canadian experience, to get exposure, to get in, you know, into the market, right? Um, I would just say if you're taking a contract, think about it, right? Um, are you giving up your job search to take the contract or are you taking the contract and continuing your job search, right? Contracts in Canada can go from one week to 20 years. Like it really depends. So I would say if you're if you're new to Canada and you get a contract opportunity, really think about it and think if it's something that you want to do. If it's not something that works for you, it's okay to refuse the contract. But if you think, you know, you know what, I'll make some money, I'll get some experience, I'll meet some people, then maybe taking the contract is great. Um, what you want to be careful, though, with the contract is that if you're on a contract, you're not full-time, you want to make sure that you're compensated for the fact that you don't have certain things that a full-time person have so a lot of contracts don't come with benefits uh the termination clause is typically one week notice or two weeks notice so just make sure that you collect a little bit of a premium of the fact because of the fact that they can basically call you tomorrow morning and go well you know what i don't need you anymore so um as a contractor i i think contracts are good um contracts sometimes indicate that there is a short-term need uh, for example, if a company is expanding and they're not sure if this role is going to be full-time, they'll hire a contractor just to kind of fill the gap. The role may turn into full-time and just being a contractor there, you may have first dibs on the role if you're interested and if they think you're doing a good job. Um, the other side to that could be it's a short-term plug, um, meaning that they probably have a spike throughout the year or they probably like and a good example would be COVID-19. There's certain uh, services that are hiring contractors right now because they just ex ex exploded, right? They don't have the capacity internally, but they will hire contractors. Now they anticipate that it's going to be a short-term fix, uh, but you know you may have turnover, you may have um, you know an extension of the expansion, so you know that gives you an opportunity to hop in. So I would say a contract, just, just be careful how you use it. You know, like if, if you're comfortable going from company to company, just looking for experience, contracts are great. But if you're looking to secure a full-time role, um, it could be a nice start, but just make sure whatever you have in mind for an end result, you know, you take that um, decision based on that end result. Thank you. I think uh, last but not least is that uh, in Canada, you hear uh, a lot about networking, right? Yeah. So where is, uh, how is it compared to going on a website and applying for a job to rather depend on your network to also complement your job search? Where is it that a particular person can start networking? So if you can shed some light on that. So it's kind of like two questions in one. So yeah. I'm going to, so the first one is networking alone can get you a job. Like I can tell you that I've mentored people that they had one coffee, they got an interview and they got hired. Like um, networking, especially in Canada is so critical. Like you would not believe um, you can actually get a job without even taking out your resume. 
right? If you're in, if you're able to network effectively, um, if you are using a resume too, definitely networking should be part of your job search strategy. If it's not, you gotta figure it out. Um, going back to that workshop, we will be touching on networking in there too and giving you some tips on how to do that. Well, my first, my, my tip that I will share with your, your uh, group here, um, if you're going to network, find people that are, um, that you're familiar with who are already here in Canada, who already have people that you would like to be connected with and have them do a warm intro for you. Um, you find that a lot of people get spammed with random connection requests and random messages for coffee that can be very off-putting. And your first impression, you don't want it to be a bad impression because that first impression is lasting. So my tip to you would be if you have friends from India that are here in Canada that are already connected with people that you would like to meet. As an example, if you're an engineer, you've got engineer friends here, we've got Canadian engineer friends ask those people to connect you with those people and then have an opportunity to talk to them as opposed to trying to reach out to just engineers all over Canada randomly, right? Um, that can actually hurt your job search because you may very well send an application to one of those people and they may remember you with a random message um, on LinkedIn, right? And, and LinkedIn is an art too with, um, you know, networking. I'd say networking person, but with what's going on right now, virtual is probably the place to be. Um, the other tip I'll share is, you know, look into groups on LinkedIn too that have, that are, are a part of your specialization. So if you're an engineer, there are lots of engineering groups with Canadian engineers in there. If you're in accounting, there are lots of Canadian accounting groups that are out there. Join the group, participate in the discussions, you know, connect with people in that group. Um, you know, that are in the same field. So that's two tips. Um, and then the last piece I think you talked about with networking was... Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So LinkedIn is... So the first place, well, again, going back to what I said before, then, you can get started by connecting with people you already know. Um, and then LinkedIn definitely is a great place to start. Um, and again, groups. If, if you go back to that same example with the groups, um, interacting in those groups that have people in your area of specialization. They're all talking engineer speak. You understand it, you get it. Participate on the conversations, you know. Reach out to the people and say, hey, I really enjoyed that um, piece that you shared on, you know, the, the new developments on engineering. You know, I would love to grab a coffee with you, um, a virtual coffee with you to learn a little bit more about what you're working on or, you know, whatever the messaging is there. Um, so the what, definitely the networking, connect with people that you know first, and then, you know, try that groups for sure. I know it's worked for, for me and worked for others as well. Uh, and this, and the second piece, you know, where to start, I'd say LinkedIn, go to, go to LinkedIn, make sure you build a, an effective profile on LinkedIn, um, and, and utilize the features of groups and, and following companies that you're interested in. Thank you. Thanks, Thank Ellen. I think we... Yeah, sure. Sorry, go ahead. sorry, I have one last question. Um, uh, is there any uh, uh, any specific uh, soft skill that Canadian companies are looking for in employees? Critical thinking is the first thing that comes to mind, okay. and problem solving. So the world has flattened in that you know everybody has a degree now, everybody has an MBA. You know, people are doing their PhDs. The world is flattening when it comes to knowledge, right? There's so much out there. You can p literally pick up your phone and Google anything. Where you lack 
um, or where soft skills are important. It's not just finding the information, but really making it useful through critical thinking. So being able to look at the information, read the research, read the comments, read the reviews, read the customer feedback, and be able to pull out critical insights out of that information, which leads to the second thing, which is problem solving. So everybody can run around going, it's on fire, it's on fire, but someone needs to figure out that if you put water in a bucket and you pour the water on the fire, it will go out. So the critical thinking is knowing how to pull the pieces of information that you're running around beside a bucket and a hose, right? And the problem solving is either using the hose to out the fire or putting the water in the bucket and out in the fire, right? So, I mean, when you come to soft skills, that critical thinking and problem solving is, is really great. I mean, as you go next level up, we can talk about things like emotional intelligence and self-awareness, but at the very basic um, level, especially coming into the Canadian market, being able to critically think and, you know, show that you have that value that we go back to and you're able to problem solve um, literally will make you a star in any interview. Thank you. Thank you so much for all the invaluable information, Nalini. Abhishek, do you have anything more? No, no. Thanks for that uh, question, Nalini. Is there anything, Aldin, that you would like to mention to our viewers? Well, I mean, thank you guys for inviting me to share with your team. Um, I really enjoy um, sharing, especially with newcomers when they come to Canada, help them, you know, get started. I remember as a newcomer, I had a mentor that helped me get started. So it's, it's really great um, when I can also help other people get started as well. And I encourage, you know, you guys to reach out to me if you have any questions, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn as well. We are hosting um, a one-day job search workshop, which will go through a lot of things that I talked about today. So things like, you know, getting your resume past the ATS, uh, tips on how to effectively network, um, you know, three interviewing skills that, you know, get you into that offer position. And then, of course, talking about how to negotiate your offer, because just because it's on paper doesn't mean that's all you're worth. Right. So I, you know, will be hosting that in a couple of weeks. So uh, you can use the link that Abhishek will, will uh, share with you guys um, to sign up and feel free to tell your friends about it as well. It is free. So hop on in um, and learn and, and share that link with your friends as well, because um, we're really trying to help more people get more successful in the job market as well. So, yeah. Sounds good. Uh, yes, we'll make sure that uh, we'll pass on the link and I will make sure that I'll sign up for it as well. Yes, yeah. yes, please do. Please do. Thank you. Thanks for your time, Aldine. Thank you, too. Thank you. Have a thank good you one, guys. For, thank you, everyone, for joining us. And special thanks uh, to the speaker uh, who has given us a lot of information about the Canadian job market. And yeah, we are going to conduct more informative sessions like this So uh, in the future. So feel free to subscribe to the channel. And thanks for watching.